Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together, and since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging. And my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Dr. Courtney Warren, it is so exciting to be talking with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. So you are a board-certified clinical psychologist, and then you used to also be a tenured associate professor at UNLV. Yes. Um, you've won awards for your research. You're an expert on addictions, self-deception, romantic relationships, eating pathology, and the practice of psychotherapy from a cross-cultural perspective. And you have a new book called Letting Go of Your Ex that we will talk about all of this. So what a, a great career you've had. And thank you for your work because we need more people in your field because it's a big issue in this country. Mm. So what made you want to get into being a psychologist because it's a lot of work. I had oh, considered it at one point in my life and I didn't have, I didn't have, I don't have the grit for education the way with what it takes to get that level of education. So, so what was it for you that was like, I have to do this? You know, I think psychology was always so fascinating to me in the way that I hope it is for most of us because it's really the study of human nature, right? It's really the study of us, who we are, what makes us uniquely human and different from animals and also like animals. It's really the exploration of who we are and how we interact. And I have always been fascinated by that. And I think it's relevant to any field that you end up going into whatever you want to do with your life, you're going to have human interactions. And so the more that you can understand yourself and others, 
the better because you'll fare much more smoothly over this crazy journey we call life and the interactions that you're going to have in in that process. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think most, most college degree programs, psychology is a requirement, maybe not for Mm -hmm. all, but I believe it is for most of them, which is a good thing that at least people get an introduction to it. Yes. Yes. It's so relevant. It's relevant to each and every one of us. So I would so encourage anyone who's interested in psychology to just start reading some because it will really help you if you can apply it to your own life. Exactly. And the thing is, is, you know, our mental health can shift at any moment. Sometimes it shifts every day. You know, sometimes we have periods where things are really great and then, and then, you know, there's seasonal issues and and things like that that come up for some people, but it's, it's just such a driving force behind everything. And as a mindset coach, you know, I, so like, I don't work, if I have a client come to me and I think that they need, I'm like, your, your issues are above my pay grade. So I refer them out to specialists and psychologists and therapists and whatnot. You know, I, I, I say, you know, a life coach takes them from, from, you know, after they've dealt with all of that, maybe emotional trauma and things that they're dealing with. And then I help them from there, there and on, but it's, it's still, it's like your mindset is everything in life. And I Mm. think people are starting to get that. Mm. I mean, I work with athletes as well. And there's some athletes, depending on what country they're from, where they're all on board. If they're American, they're usually all on board. If they're from, from some of the the Russian influenced countries, not so much, Mm -hmm. right? It's a, Mm. it's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. So, so for you, when, when you're working with your clients, what is the one thing, if there is one thing that you can tell somebody to help them be on board with this? Like, have you, you know, if you have a client that's not so sure, is there any, anything that you say that helps them to realize the importance of this? You know, what I would say is that most people who I work with come to therapy because they're really struggling with something, right? And that may be a little bit different than some of your clients. I'm not sure, but sometimes people come to coaching and actually to therapy too, but less often for sort of betterment when you're already in a pretty good place, right? And you just want to evolve more and grow more and somehow excel in a different way. When someone is coming to meet with me, I usually present it as almost two choices. The first is you can stay exactly the same. And if you want to stay the same, then my job is going to be to try to help you get comfortable with exactly where you are. Hmm. Or you can use this as an opportunity to grow and change and evolve. And that is going to be a tremendous amount of work. It's probably going to have times that are excruciatingly painful and difficult to work through. And it is your best hope of transforming into a new life that you really want to live. Mm. So what should we do? Yeah. Usually that's enough because they're already, they're already motivated to do something differently. You know, the reality is our biggest motivator to change is that we feel so bad that we can't afford to stay the same. Right. Misery. Misery is the biggest predictor of change, which sounds so strange, but it makes a lot of sense, right? And I give so much credit to anyone out there 
who is willing to get a coach or find a therapist or look at themselves enough to say, gosh, my life isn't looking the way that I want it to, or I am not experiencing my life the way that I want it to. I got to do something about that. That takes so much strength and courage, actually, to acknowledge that there is something that isn't working for you and aspiring to do it differently. So really, I come into it with a tremendous amount of respect for the fact that you got here and that you're willing to let me into your world enough to work through this so that we can get to some different place, hopefully a much better place for you. Mm, yes. Yeah. And, and the, thing, the thing that I've come to realize, and uh, I've been on my journey for 33 years now, and it was like 33 years this month, and I'm like, wow. Like has it 33 years. Congratulations. And we're always learning. We're, thank you. Well, we're always learning. We're always growing. And it wasn't until, gosh, more in the more recent past that I realized that, and it's one of my quotes is in order to grow, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was sitting in therapy for about 15 years and I didn't like that uncomfortableness. And that's why it took me so long because I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, and you have to, you know, in order to really grow, you've got to be, it's, it's sticky. It's icky. It's doesn't feel good. It is those ouch moments. I, I so, I so resonate with what you're saying. And I think that there's a misconception sometimes that going to therapy or seeking help for anything means that you're going to go to someone who has an expertise in a certain area and they're basically going to tell you what to do and it's going to be resolved. And that really couldn't be further from the truth. It really couldn't be. The beautiful thing is you have an opportunity to work with someone who does know something about a given area, whether it's psychology or mental health care or, or generally positive psychology or whatever field you're in. But the mechanism of change requires that you are honest with yourself and willing to make the seemingly tiny changes, the hundreds of them over the course of every day for a really large chunk of time that leads you to this transformation. It isn't that I'm going to give you the end-all, be-all, one-shot pill, and now your whole life is going to be different. That's just not how change works. So being able to tolerate, as you said, that discomfort and that ickiness in that, oh my gosh, this sucks. How did I yes. get here? I have to change all of these things about my life. And the answer really oftentimes is yes. You have to change your thinking. You have to shift your perspective. You have to make different choices with your behavior. You have to work to shift your emotional state so that you're not so down and anxious and depressed. These things seem huge, but it's the tiny little steps that you're going to make over the course of days and weeks and months that are actually going to benefit you so much moving forward. I'm so glad you said that because people want a quick fix, you know? We want that instant gratification and, and thanks to our cell phones, right? That, yes. that we, <laughs> you send a text message, you know, people respond usually right away or, you know, I mean, it, it's just that, that never ending instant gratification that we've all 
our society has just gotten so used to. And when it comes to our mindset and our mental health, it's not, there is no quick fix. No. Is there? Yeah. No, there yeah, really it, isn't. It's a daily practice. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the funny thing is, is, you know, like, like I said, you know, when I work with athletes, they spend so much time training on whatever it is they're training for. Of course. And of course, yeah, I'll spend six hours a day on the ice or six hours a day on the tennis courts or the football field or whatever. But you ask them to, you know, spend five minutes, you know, thinking about their energy levels and their frequency and how they could feel better and how to, to really get their head into what they're doing. And, and why, why? they won't do it. They won't do it. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's like flexing a new muscle and recognizing that right. it actually is so important to do. And if you value it, then you actually have to make time to do it. It's like any relationship. Your relationship with yourself is like any other relationship. You have to devote time to the self-exploration and the work. And, you know, I think of that too, oftentimes as a way of self-love, really, and of self-soothing and of self-healing, that think of this as a gift you're giving to yourself. When you practice these psychological techniques or when you practice shifting your perspective or your thinking, this is actually what you're doing to take care of yourself. And I mean that very seriously. I consider this to be health-related behavior. This is as important as exercise. This is as important as taking blood pressure medication. Whatever it is that you have to do to take care of your health, this is part of it. Because the more that you do, the more you'll understand yourself and the more you'll be able to shift any patterns that are leading you to not experiencing the best of what this life has to offer and creating the best life that you can for yourself. Mm, well said. Very well said. Okay. So you have a book that's coming out early this year. Yes. And it's called Letting Go of Your Ex. So did you write this because it was an issue you were having in your life or did you just notice enough of it with your clients that you're like, okay, I need to write a book about this. <laughs> What's so interesting is that I really didn't set out to write this book at all. But about eight years ago, I gave a TEDx talk on self-deception, the psychology of self-deception, why we lie to ourselves, what function it serves and how it affects you, how it damages your life. And as part of that talk, I disclosed many of my own self-deceptive tendencies because I want to be sure that for anyone out there listening, we are human beings first and foremost, and I have all of the same tendencies that every other human has. And so this isn't really about talking down to someone or making it sound like you have a problem or some people have a problem, but others don't. This is a very human experience. Exactly. And because I used my struggles in romantic relationships as a, as a sort of platform to explore self-deception, I ended up getting all of these questions about romantic relationships and breakups. So it just came together that eventually it seemed clear that I needed to write a self-help book on self-deception and breakups and how to overcome what feels like an addiction to your ex. This book is written from a cognitive behavioral perspective on 
how you can feel literally addicted to your ex as if you need them to survive. Because Mm. a lot of emerging neurobiological and psychological research is showing that process or behavioral addictions look very much like substance use and substance abuse. So they have certain characteristics that are very similar going on in your neurobiology and your physiology and your hormones that make you feel completely compelled by this one person when you fall in love. And so if anyone out there has ever been in a position where they've broken up, gotten divorced, madly fallen for someone, and then for whatever reason it didn't work, and you notice that you're still thinking about them, even if you don't want to, you're checking for information about them on social media, you're stalking them, you're trying to figure out what they're doing and how they feel and what went wrong and if you should get back together and should we try to reconnect, this sort of preoccupation with an ex that you really don't want, but you can't seem to stop the obsessive thinking and the the feelings that just come over you. This book was written for you. And it has a number, a host of skills in there that are really practical things that I really encourage you to practice to move you out of this feeling of attachment to your ex and able to create whatever next romantic relationship or single time in your life you want without them sort of staying in the back of your mind. Mm. So when is this book coming out? It will come out February 1st, 2023, literally in a few weeks. And you can pre-order it now on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy books, really. Perfect. So by the time this is released... It, it should it should be out by then. So fantastic, fantastic. So that's an interesting interesting topic. And as you were talking, I'm like thinking back because I was married for 21 years, went through a divorce, had a couple of relationships that you know were nothing was nothing was ever horrible. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever had a really bad bad breakup. And then I met my husband and I've been with him for almost 11 years now. And, and I was thinking, and I was like, almost started laughing. I'm like, I'm really good friends with all of my exes. Fantastic. <laughs> Including my ex-husband. That's My ex-husband fantastic. and I are like brother and sister. Yeah. Like we're so close and we just, we're not good together as a married couple, but we're really great friends. And mm. uh, yeah. But I have, so I made, I wrote myself a little note here so I wouldn't forget because I know that in the past when I have had a breakup, you do think about that person for a while and I think Mm -hmm. it's normal, right? Mm -hmm. Whether Mm -hmm. you wanted it or not, whether Mm -hmm. I initiated the breakup or they did, either way, because even Mm -hmm. when I divorced my husband, even, even though it was what I wanted, Mm -hmm. it still hurt. It still was devastating. Yes. You know, it's, it's like a death. It's a death of, of an era, you know? Um, so, so I'm wondering, is it always like an addiction or can it just be that feeling that you want? Like you love the, yeah. how they made you feel and you want that feeling back. It is I didn't, never looked at it as an addiction, It but, is, but, but I, I don't think I was in that space. Yeah. Right. Not all breakups feel addictive. Absolutely okay. not. So there are times that you'll go through a romantic relationship and breakup and it's a relief or it's, it's something that you really wanted. Now, that doesn't mean it's not hard, as you said. Usually breakups are really hard. 
because it's not really just the end of a relationship with this person. It's the end of a lifestyle, of a dream, of a a life that you created together with another person in it. And so no matter how it ended, usually breakups are a time of great transition for people. Oftentimes it feels like a grieving process, as you just said, particularly if you were really invested in someone, if you were married for a long time, if you had children with them. That is a a large change and it is a loss. So at some level, it's usually a loss. What love addiction really is the way that I conceptualize it and the way that a lot of us talk about addictive behavior is it's based in this idea that you feel compelled by your ex because you fell in love with them at some point. So when you think about falling in love in particular, which is a little bit different than lust or than attachment, which can happen at different phases of your relationships, for any of you who have ever been in love, you probably know the experience. It's kind of this all-consuming addictive experience where you meet someone new and nothing else and no one else can kind of touch them. They become the center of your world. You feel emotionally elated when you're with them. It's almost this intoxication that comes over you when you think about them, when you're in their presence, when you're touching them. You want to be with them as much as possible. You crave them. You want as much of this contact and touch and comfort because you feel great when you're together. That falling in love process probably evolutionarily was sensical. It happened. We're designed to get addicted to our mate because biologically, it's really helpful for you to fall in love, want to touch somebody, have sex with them, procreate, have children, and stay together long enough, be compelled by them long enough that your offspring can survive and the mother can survive the birth, right? It's really that simple. So a lot of evolutionary psychologists will say, I think we were designed to become addicted to mates because that pair bonding experience evolutionarily makes sense. It helps us survive. Yeah. Yeah, So when you think about love addiction, it's a breakup that's associated with that feeling. So when I talk about love addiction, I'm really talking about people who have fallen madly in love with someone Mm -hmm. and then break up. And in that breakup, it's as if their addictive stimulus, the thing they're addicted to, is now their ex. And so they're still craving the contact and want the answers and want to understand what happened and want to feel close to them, even though the relationship is no longer intact. And that can throw you into a whole host of symptoms and experiences that's incredibly painful. Not everyone is going to have to struggle with love addiction and not all breakups are going to feel addictive, but when they do, they're usually the ones that you hear the music songs about and see the poetry written about where you are heartbroken. Probably all of us know, either have been there ourselves or know friends who have absolutely just felt destroyed after a breakup. And this Mm. book was really written for them. And that really is what I think about when I conceptualize what love addiction is. It's this compulsion, this desire to be with them, this need for information, this desire for closeness, even though rationally you want to move on, 
and it's not healthy for you and you know that it's over, you can't seem to stop yourself from trying to feel close again in your own mind or in person. It's those moments that you're reading over old emails or looking through old pictures or checking old text messages or seeing if they've written to you. That experience. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have felt that way. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever gone to the, I've never stalked anybody, put it that way. Yes, yes. (laughs) But I think that's normal, right? When you break up and you're like reminiscing and yeah. It is, it is. And I would say, you know, the difference perhaps is that all breakups are probably going to be hard and they're going to be associated with some of what you're describing. You're going to think about your ex, you're going to think about your life now and what's going to be different. And there's going to be some sadness there probably, When it crosses over to a place where you're really struggling, you're confused about your identity or you're thinking, I don't know who I am anymore. You've lost your self-esteem. You're feeling incredibly down or depressed or anxious. You do feel like a stalker. You're looking for information about them. You've lost interest in other aspects of your life. That's really when I would encourage anyone to seek additional help. By right. reading something like the book that I just wrote, by finding a good therapist, by looking for social support. There are some phenomenal um, AA-based social support net- networks like Codependence Anonymous or Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous that are truly meant to be support systems for people going through difficult relationship situations. And mm. those are really, really important to utilize if you're in the throes of a breakup that's really, really hard. So what is... Is if there is, because I'm sure there's multiple things obviously that people can do, like any type of therapy. Is there one thing that stands out that if there's a listener that's going through this that they can think about and apply to their life and 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 start getting on that path Hmm. to recovering from it? The first thing I would tell you is that you are not alone. I think a lot of times when you go through a really difficult life circumstance, it feels very personal. It feels like you're the only one in the world who is going through it. And one of the gifts that we have from emerging research is that physiologically, I can actually show you why you're having some of the symptoms you're having. We can actually look at neurochemical mechanisms in your brain when you fall in love and when you're with someone you care about, your dopamine gets really, really high. It feels intoxicating and eluding. You're motivated to be near them. Serotonin decreases, which is really more of a comfort hormone, Um, neurotransmitter, oxytocin, all of these sort of biological reasons that you get really attached to this one person make it very sensical that you're having the symptoms that you're having. And even sort of just outlining that there isn't anything wrong with you. There isn't anything wrong with you if you're struggling after a breakup can be very helpful for people to hear. It's also really helpful to conceptualize breakups and love addiction through an addictive lens because then we have a platform for doing interventions, for creating ways to help you stop the cycle of symptoms that will keep you really miserable over time. So one of the first things that I tell people going through one, a, a really bad breakup is you have to limit your contact with your ex. If at all possible, now is the time for you to cut off contact completely. Because when you're in contact with them, 
you're actually making your symptoms worse because you're sort of reinforcing those quick hits of dopamine and reinforcing really this addictive cycle. So pause, take some space from your ex as much as humanly possible. And now is your time to try to help yourself manage your symptoms. So we're going to hammer in techniques to shift your thinking. We're going to hammer in techniques to shift your emotional reactions. And we're certainly going to do everything we can with your behavior to do only do what's helpful and stop doing what's harmful. That's something that I always say over and over to people. Anything that you're doing in your actions that makes you feel worse in the long run, you have to stop doing right now because it's just going to add to the really painful disconnect that you're having right now in this in this life. Yeah. And what is somebody, you know, because I was just thinking there, I'm sure people have gone through this all the time where you break up, the other person breaks up with you and you're struggling and yet they keep reaching out to you. Like Mm -hmm. they won't let you go. Mm -hmm. That absolutely can happen. Yeah. So if you're in that situation, do you need to like put your foot down and and ask them to stop contacting you? Is, Is that the best approach? You know, it always depends, but setting new boundaries when a relationship ends is critical. And if having your ex reach out to you is just making you feel worse, then I would say, yes, setting a boundary saying, I am really having a hard time right now. It's really important for me not to be in touch with you. Please stop contacting me. That is the best thing that you can do for yourself. And it doesn't mean that they're never going to be in your life. And it doesn't mean that you won't come to a place down the road where you can be friends. But if the cycle of addictive symptoms is so strong that any time you hear from them or get information from them, it triggers you, it makes you feel worse, it makes you crave them, it makes you want to contact them more, it makes you want to say, will you come over here because I just need a hug, it makes you any of that, it's going to be better for your mental health to pause contact with them for a while. And that does require setting new boundaries. Mm. It's a lot easier said than done, I'm sure. For a lot of people. So hard. It is so hard to do. And it will really, really help you in the long run. There is hope. There are a host of things that you can do that are really based in core psych research that we know help. Yes, there is. And I always think of years ago, we were on a family vacation and we're sitting in this pizzeria and this little eight-year-old little girl is next to me. She's in college now. But I remember, like, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but she looked up at me and she goes, you know, sometimes you have to go through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. The wisdom of a child. Yes. Absolutely true. And it, it, it all comes down to that. You know, sometimes we've got to go, go to go through the bad stuff. We can't go over it or under it or around it, right? You got to go through it. Mm-hmm. And when you mm-hmm. get to the other side, you're going to feel better mm-hmm. and you'll be a new person. No question. <laughs> And, and, you know, part of this process too, when I think about changing behavior, particularly if someone's struggling with, with a more intense psychological experience, the first phase is like the triage phase. If you were coming into an ER, it's let me do right. an assessment of your symptoms. Let me see exactly what's not working for you now and stop the bleeding. You're cut. I got to stop the bleeding. The next phase, once we've kind of stopped the core symptoms that are affecting you right now, is to figure out how you got cut in the first place. 
Now I have to do a more thorough assessment of, well, how did you get here? And that, when it comes to romantic love, I will tell you, is always going to include some conversations about your early childhood learning and your attachment to your parents and and how that worked for you. Because I will argue very strongly that whatever you learned about romantic love, intimacy, yourself, your value as a child will be recreated to some degree in your romantic relationships as an adult. So that requires some deeper dive, which is also very painful and very difficult, but that's really the next phase is healing and understanding the core beliefs that you developed over time that led you here. And then once we understand, we stop the bleeding, we understand how you got here. Now you have the opportunity to create the next phase of your life. You are always going to have a scar. You are not going to erase what happened, but you can learn to see it differently. And you can learn to use it as a platform for growth and development. And that's really the goal of anything that I would do with any patient or with, with any person listening is stop the bleeding, understand how you got here and transform through it. Yeah. Change your perception, change your life. There's always a gift. You can learn something. That's right. That's right. Dr. Courtney Warren, this has been such a great conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before we finish up? One of the most compelling things that I tell my patients and, and actually anyone who's listening to me when they're going through a breakup that I think they don't know in their core that I would love to just download into each and every listener right now (laughs) is that you fundamentally determine your value as a human being. Whether you are with your ex or a new person or are single for the rest of your life, your value is inherently the same. And I know that may sound very strange and you may not believe me right now, but if there is one thing I would encourage people to strive to believe about themselves, it is that they actually do have inherent value and who they're partnered with makes no difference to that value. Yes. Very well said. I love this conversation. I know that it's going to touch so many people's lives and help people to see things a little differently. So thank you so much. And everybody, make sure you check Amazon and your local bookstores for letting go of your ex. Thank you so much. It was delightful to talk to you. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners today. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.